The Business Growth Podcast by legendary entrepreneur Dan Bradbury gives you the best strategies to grow a profitable, sustainable company that isn't dependent on you. Whether it be how to hire and lead a world-class team, business finance, marketing, time management, growth through acquisition, or maximizing your company's value before you exit, this podcast is for you. And now, your host for the Business Growth Podcast, Dan Bradbury. Hey guys, Dan Bradbury here, and this week's podcast is taken from the live recording of a recent Success Mastermind event here in the UK. Marcus and Paul Fitzgerald run Richmond Oak Conservatories and have been private mastermind members of mine for almost three years now. However, in that time, they've gone from just working for wages and barely scraping by to two of the last three quarters of the best in the company's 10-year history, including one of those quarters where they did more revenue than in the previous 12 months combined. In this short interview, they share why they sacked their number one salesperson and never looked back, which numbers to analyze to have the biggest impact on your business, how a few small tweaks to their follow-up process transformed their sales, why you should never ever believe the hype that comes from those with a vested interest, how to get key employees of a competitor to come and work for you, plus much, much more. There's loads of great stuff in this interview, but it was recorded at a live event, so the audio quality sometimes isn't perfect, but hopefully you'll feel the quality of information will more than make up for it. If you want to get the matching PDF case study download that goes with this episode, you want to go to www.danbradbury.com forward slash podcast. So with that said, enjoy this interview with Paul and Marcus Fitzgerald. Okay, so Paul and Marcus, uh, well, first of all, for the new face in the room, give, give a 60-second uh, intro on on about uh, Richmond Oak, uh, who you are and what you do. So, uh, Paul is my father, and I'm his son. <laughs> uh, Richmond Oak design and build oak-glazed extensions. Um, and we're based in East Sussex, but we work all around the country, basically. A lot of work is in Hampshire, Surrey, Kent, Hertfordshire type of area. Um, we're, our head office is in, in East Sussex, and there's um, uh, Paul and I, and one other, and then everybody else within the company is um, self-employed, uh, freelance basis from uh, installations teams and um, sales guys, CAD the, the designers. And we've also got two joineries that we don't own, but we work closely with in Poland, so they make their timber frames for us. So it's, and um, so it's a high-end uh, product, um, uh, and uh, uh, ranging from forty thousand pounds to one hundred fifty thousand pounds for a project. Very good. I, I, I know. Uh, how long have you, have you been in the program now for? Uh, I think this is our third, third year. year. In, not in the third year. Okay. Yeah. So, and then just just for a bit of context. Obviously, in the last two or three quarters, there's been some. Uh, in the last three quarters, they're two best quarters in their company's history. So, uh, to create a bit of a framework for the guys that are less familiar, what had historically, if you go back three years, what was typical uh, revenue and or margins, and then these uh, two these two spectacular quarters, what have been the revenue and the margins? Just well, we were context. jogging along that within a couple of thousand of 620,000 a year for several years. Um, we've always made around about 30 to 31% profit margin uh, as a gross profit margin. 
Um, of course, that nets down after your expenses. So <coughs> effectively, working for wages. Right. Um, that's what it sums up as. Um, so we never made spectacular money individually. Um, wanted to change that. Um, so the business has been around it's ten, we're in our tenth year. Tenth year, tenth year okay. now, yeah. So uh, and then uh, I joined the business eight years ago. So. And and then what was the uh, what was the uh, revenue and the, the profit in the in the last quarter? The last quarter we've maintained the thirty one percent profit margin throughout because I'm fanatical about keeping a margin. It's very easy to give you give away work, but you see people don't realise. But if you're making 30% as gross, it's costing you like 20% to run your business. So if you give away an extra 5% uh, of your margin, you're actually halving your net profit. So the revenue. Um, so you've got to be careful. So the revenue last financial year was 725,000, but in the calendar year we did 1.15 million. We're currently, despite the bad um, first quarter on this year, which we did have, um, as though somebody turned the tap off. We're on target to do over a million this year um, with the turnaround in the last quarter. If you ask us what happened in the turnaround in the last quarter. Uh, um, so if we just jump back to quarter four, which we did like half a million pounds worth of business in that quarter, and then we jumped into, then we went into quarter one and, um, and did 120,000 or something. Yeah, um, and then we've basically recovered that in this quarter to do 292,000, which is our um, our second best quarter ever. So, um, what just <laughs> it's, it's I describe our business a bit like a roller coaster um, because our the leads, so the sales we get in our quarter, so we have six sales in this quarter weren't generated from the leads, only one sale came in from the leads that were generated in this quarter. Um, it's on average sort of like three to four months nurturing process. So we're always having to look at the pipeline um, to make sure it's, it's filled up with, in order for us to like forecast how many sales we need to be getting. So, so, so what, what makes the difference? So before I have to throw it over to these guys to ask questions, what makes the difference? Because even though there's roller coasters in the last three quarters, but historically, Steady, let's say 600,000 a year, but um, with a, a, a steady gross profit margin. But in reality, when it netted down, as Paul put it, working for wages. So they, they had a job and they were trying to figure it out. But in the last three quarters, they've had roughly half a million, 120, and then two, 290, 290 yeah. 300. Yeah. So they've had, what, 800-ish thousand in revenue in the last three quarters, right? Um, so it's, it's uh, as Paul said, tracking for over 1 million. So in other words, we're talking about business that's roughly doubled with the same margins and the same overhead. So all of a sudden that extra increase in revenue, a large proportion of it drops to the bottom line. What have been the biggest, what has made the biggest impact uh, to cause that significant spike in revenue? Um, partly, um, nurturing the sales better, uh, the clients better, the prospects, following up with them more, I won't say aggressively because that doesn't work, but following up with them, staying in contact with them. Um, in the last quarter we did something quite dramatic. We sacked our top salesperson 
because um, it just didn't fit in terms of ethos and, um, uh, and so it was a decision that we talked about that Marcus actually implemented um, but of course you create a hole and it fills as somebody else came along he hasn't sold anything yet but he's got a good attitude and he's um, he's following up well with his clients well I, th I think the, the um, when you look at it we're, we're very much more drilled on um, analyzing numbers so you know I, I look at this prep that I've got here and I go back two years and I'm like um, you know, there's a number of charts here and analysis going on here, and I'm constantly reviewing it. And then, whilst even doing this, I then created something else that I need to look at more, is just, which is to do with, you know, the um, the lead source that came in within the last quarter, um, how long between in, uh, the lead coming in, the inquiry, the the, uh, the quote that was done, um, how many then came in within this quarter and what's the average going back so it's constantly analysing it to make the decisions moving forward rather than just plucking something out of the air um, and we're saying about the, the following up we, we haven't got it drilled down we're not perfect with it but it is the um, we've got your pipeline and it's the one lesson that you, I would say to anybody is if you've got the pipeline of 12 months of people there and you haven't heard back from them that you do need to keep going back over it again and again until you get an answer. You'd want to know whether they're alive or dead ultimately. And the lesson we learned from um, the sales guy, and I've got it on here where I said don't believe the hype sometimes, is that I, I trusted him because he had brought in the big sales and, he, and he, he gave the impression that he knew what he was doing and I, and I trusted him to do the job. So when I'd follow up in our weekly calls about his pipeline of who he's looking after, if he told me someone wasn't, in, you know, wasn't, wasn't happening anymore, I, I believe that. I didn't have the process in place, which I should have done from headquarters to actually follow up separately, whether that was me or, or another colleague. So what we learned when I let him go and let him go because of the culture fit. And ultimately, this is a lesson I've learned from him, he didn't want to attend our quarterly meeting because he felt that um, he's already said what needs to be said, he's looked at the agenda, there's nothing more to um, give, and it's two and a half hours. He's got better things to be doing with his time. So after 24 hours of going through all this and then repeating that back to him just to clarify, just in case I hadn't you know, read, it, read it wrong, um, basically the decision was made saying what you're saying is you're not interested in what the business has got to say or what I've got to say so on that basis thank you very much appreciate everything you've done but you're not good culturally for our business and that was a big big risk to take you know to do that and it shocked the other sales guys like, why did you do that you know he's bringing the sales but um, I just thought I couldn't I couldn't then go to the sales meeting and um, they'll ask where's Chris well, I didn't want to turn up. Now, what message is that going to send through? But what the knock-on, there's a point to this, the knock-on effect of that was in within 48 hours, we had managed to um, take on two other guys from our main competitors, who then, in doing so, covered a broader range of area in terms of counties, one of them also taking over the area that um, Paul looks after, because part of the plan for us is to reduce the... That's the role of what, what he's doing. So, and then the lesson that was learned is when we then pulled his leads back and went through his pipeline, which was split between Paul and, and the new guy, funny, 
I pulled in not, 100 grand's worth of business. Not all of those were dead. He had just decided that, you know, that he had made that decision. So yes, we managed to pull in two, two projects and uh, there's still some now ongoing. We did lose some, um, but the lesson for me, and I'll take ownership, because he was responsible for looking after them, I'm the ownership of overseeing all of that. So what well, the process moving forward is that we will keep a closer eye on that pipeline uh, and follow it up um, and not just rely on the salesperson to be doing that task. Very nice. So, uh, So, I mean, the, the, if we look at the, the pipeline side of things, it, it has dropped down in terms of inquiries. We're, but we're steady on the last, say, you could blame it on what's going on outside. You can use various reasons, and I'm not really interested in that. It's about what we can do to change that. So you look at, like, the marketing. Marketing is a big, is a big focus for us, and we have to cover a broad spectrum, a broad area of how we deal with that. And uh, one of the key areas I'm looking at is on the, on the uh, we, we've got a number of websites that we use, um, and it's um, looking at how we can strategically improve those in different ways to, um, to reach our target audience, um, which, and then communication in doing so, and the call to action, um, and putting ourselves as the sort of the, the go-to person, as the, the market leader in terms of giving advice rather than go, we're the best company, we build you know, amazing uh, structures. So there is, there, is a, there is this plan for the next quarter to try and um, work on that, that side of things, really. But it's, um, it's, although the leads have dropped down, we're aware of what we need to generate. So what I, we call a suspect lead is somebody who knocks on the door to convert them into being a qualified lead. So we're, we're pretty drilled on knowing the numbers that we need to have. We've, we've improved the conversion rates yes. um, over the last 18 months tremendously. From one in seven point something down to, in the last year, it was one in 4.96. Uh, this is quotes, by the way, this was quotes to sales rather. As it's about one in 12 point something of leads. Um, and so we look at those statistics, like it's calculated on a day-by-day -day basis, actually. Um, we don't look at it every day, but it actually does work out the average um, return based on the number of days in a year, and etc. Uh, so ultimately, it's, it's, we might have less leads, but what is the difference that we can do by like 1% just to, to work those leads even better? Yeah, because be if, more you, if, you, if you create so many suspects, and if you can just get an extra 10% suspects, and then you get the extra 10% of those into becoming prospects, and then you get 10% more of them to do quotes for, then you look at the compound effect of that in what you're gonna get in sales, and that's really where we've gained in, in doing that. So it's just increments, small increments compounded together. It's, 
sealed like 10 times. Yeah, and that, that, that makes a difference between a business that's scraping along yeah. <coughs> working for wages versus uh, something that's got a very good, very profit line. And remember to just keep going back to it again and again because it's easy to just sort of let it go and realise that you've just got to keep focusing. You get caught up in today's work, don't you? And then you forget some of your basic principles and every so often you've got to slap yourself and, and, and say, oh, let's get back to some of this basic stuff that we've neglected. Very good. Give a round of applause. Hey guys, Dan Bradbury again. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To get access to the matching PDF case study download that goes with this episode, alongside other resources to grow your business, you want to go to www.danbradbury.com forward slash podcast.